Greg Dennis, we are here on a Clutch Points pod about the Brooklyn Nets. Playoffs are here. Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> Is that Jim Moore reference? <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. I knew I was taking a risk there, but had to do it. I mean, we only have one day we can do that. The Nets are in the playoffs. I'm excited. <laughs> they are who we thought they were? <laughs> nice. Our NFL uh our NFL <laughs> listeners will pick up on all these 90s coach references we're throwing out there to begin the five. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's see. We we spent oh, weeks or months dreading the play-in. Is it kind of funny that it's, like, over and it was never a true sweat? Yeah, it really all lined up for the Nets because ultimately they got to play a shorthanded Cavs team, and they were at home. And they had Kyrie. And um, there's some saying out there. I don't know exactly how it goes, but it's something like all the things you spend time worrying about never come to be or something like that. And I feel like um, we went over so many scenarios that the Nets might be facing related to vaccine mandates, injuries, who they might be playing, where they'd be playing, what country they'd be playing in. And here we are last night and you look at it and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant look as crisp as they have all year. And, uh, you know, the game was never really in doubt. I know Cleveland cut it to five, but I, I, I never felt like they had a chance to win that game. No, I, I, I guess maybe there was one point, maybe late in the third. Or, when was it a kind of a game and Darius Garland was putting up some three-pointers that he missed, and I was like, if he hit one or two of those, maybe it could have gotten ugly. And then maybe the Nets would have felt a little pressure. But I agree. You know, I, there was definitely some anxiety when they cut a 20-point lead down to six. But I never thought the Nets were going to lose. No, I, I agree. I mean, I did have the thought, like, wow, the Nets have played really well and they're up by six points. But then I also was kind of like, if they need, if they need a basket, if they need to stop, they're, they're just going to do it. Like, they're going to win this game. So that that's kind of how I felt about it. The Cavs are not out. Um, there actually is a world where these two teams could meet in the playoffs. It won't happen. But just to, to sort of put a bow on them, they're really good. Like, you watch that game and you're like, Darius Garland is 22 or 23. Evan Mobley is not even 21 yet. Uh, but they're, yeah. they're awesome. Definitely have a bright future. Um, Darius Garland, he uh, he's really good, like you said. Kind of reminds me a, a little of a, a slightly bigger Trey Young almost, just the kind of the way he can get into the lane at will. Really confident, great range. Um, and, and they were missing Jared Allen, and they obviously haven't been even close to the same team, especially defensively, since he's been out. So, um, you know, it sounds like he's going to be making his return imminently. But uh, the Nets, the Nets dodged that last night. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a harder game. They're a much better team with him, like you said. I think they lose two games for every one with him, and so it was. It, you know, I know Nets fans still love him, so it's nice to see that. He had the season he did, 
it's nice that the Nets got to dodge him while still appreciating him. Um, he's a really likable player. And, uh, and Levert, you know, you start to think about some of those guys that gave up in that James Harden trade when you watch that game. But uh, moving on, shipping up to Boston. We already have drama after the game. Um, most of the Nets players said what you would expect them to say. Jason Tatum, you got to slow him down. He's a monster. What can you do? But Bruce Brown took it another direction, didn't he? Yeah, you know, I, I got to say, I, I I really felt the whole thing was much to do about nothing. I was really surprised that he was reprimanded for basically saying something that, I don't know, is kind of obvious and not really, I, don't, I mean, he, he just said, like, you know, they're missing their rim protector they're missing their interior presence we need to take advantage of that I, I don't know I was surprised that it became immediate bullet bulletin board material but I guess you feel differently um I think that the Celtics social media would have found it regardless uh and I think that that's fine you know what's what's the harm in Celtics sharing that like people started tagging Anna Horford immediately <laughs> because Al Horford's sister will reply on, on social media. And so I, I saw no harm in that. I was, let me tell you the moment I was surprised. I was not surprised with Bruce Brown because he, he is like a little bit feisty sometimes. You know, he, he told you like, I can't believe none of y'all asked me about my triple-double the last time they played the Cavs. <laughs> and this time, unprompted, he was like, hey, you guys, I flirted with a triple-double. Very funny um, he keeps a straight face. I think someone asked him if he expects to continue playing so well. And he, he kind of went Russell Westbrook and he was like, what do you think? <laughs> which is, which is always funny. I would say the biggest takeaway that I've had covering the Nets this season is, you know, as a fan, you're used to seeing superstars be very, very confident. So obviously when Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving and James Harden, you're covering mega stars, but that really filtered to the bottom of this roster so that when Nick Claxton and Cam Thomas and Bruce Brown get up there, they sound similar in confidence. And so you realize like maybe Kevin Durant, maybe Kyrie, maybe James are having an impact on these guys, but also these NBA players are kind of like aliens. Like the way that they feel about themselves is not like interacting with normal people. They are, amazingly do you, confident <laughs> uh do you think that that point you're making was illustrated to some degree in the outfit selection of ben simmons last night would that <laughs> the, be the lamb would that <laughs> the lime green feel, lamb suit would, would you have the alien like confidence to pull that off i'll tell you if i was uh worried that i'm not going to win this pending arbitration and get that 20 million dollars back i might have just went with a hoodie uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was a bold choice. Um, not sure who's making those choices. I don't know if it's uh, Kendall's or uh, Ben's fiance, or if it's someone with Clutch Sports, or if he's handpicking these outfits. But um, you know, it's it's uh, confidence personified. Well, remind me to bring us back to the Bruce Brown thing because I wanted to talk about that post game and the rest of that. But because you brought up the confidence, I wanted to talk about Scoop B's report that Simmons confidence is in an all time high. 
someone was pushing him. You got to make something of your life. And he's walking around so confident. He's like Jordan in practice. What do you, what do you make of those quotes? I'm very confused by it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to know who said it. I would, I have five follow-up questions. Um, We have uh, followed this saga for quite a while, trying to figure out, What's going on physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? When is he coming back? Is he coming back? We've ballpark percentages on it. I am no more clear. I think I think last week we said 15%. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago we we were at 15%. He's going to play. Last week I said, Are we still at 15? You said, Well, seven days went by with no progress. So we're vastly below that. So let's say we were at like six and a half percent last week. Where are we now after Steve Nash has basically given the update three weeks went by after his epidural where the pain subsided to a degree, but we weren't getting an increase in what he was doing physically. And we're still at the point where he's not even playing one-on-one. He's doing some light running, but all of the stuff from Steve Nash was sort of downplaying his return. Then you have Sham Strani on the Pat McAfee show saying maybe game three, maybe game four against Boston, which was perfect bulletin board material for JB Bickerstaff and the Cavs to be like, yo, you didn't even beat us yet, Boston. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and it's also, I'll point out a reversal because at one point, Shams was on the Pat McAfee show weeks ago saying this could be a multi, like this could be month to month. He could be out. You see Draymond Green hasn't practiced, played in two months, whereas the Nets were saying this is back tightness. They've completely flipped, where now it's the Nets saying, I mean, he's not close, and Shams is saying, like, he's going to play in, like, nine days. Yeah, I I don't find that convincing. I I just can't imagine, you know, every time Steve Nash does these updates and talks about it, he, he looks like he is in pain trying to convey whatever message it is to me. So even when he says something like there's been progress, it, it, it feels like he can hardly, uh, you know, he can hardly talk. He's, he's like, he, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's always talking about how he forgets what the timeline is. Yes. He, he just when seems he like asked, he, he wants us when <laughs> He asked reporters, when was the epidural? They were like, Orlando. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like it's like he's just like, please, anything, anything but a Ben Simmons question. <laughs> and, um, you know, we saw that with Doc Rivers. And now it's, it's almost been the torch has been handed to Steve Nash for having to avoid these Ben Simmons questions. I just can't imagine that he's going to be playing next week trying to guard Jason Tatum in a playoff series. I would be shocked. I would really be shocked. But well, he, he posted blue and pink sneakers today with his signature emoji, the smoke coming out of the nose on his Instagram. So he's at least laced them up. And you'd think to do that, he must be feeling somewhat better physically. Otherwise, why get people's hopes up, right? Well, that's a that's a rabbit hole to go down. I mean, there's the famous um pickup game video clips on Instagram that he would post of him shooting jump shots basically every off season and then come back and basically never see that in a game. So I don't know. I can't say that, that it's indicative of his impending return, but 
We'll see. To be fair, I don't think he was posting himself shooting a ton of jumpers. I think his trainer was it Chris Johnson was doing that, like his hype man. Well, um, it's his account. I mean, at his some account point, posted we... this today. The, the sneakers. Okay. Okay. I, so, I, ju- I just know it was an annual tradition for him to post the jump shot videos of him playing pickup and then everyone would get excited and then, you know, we'd be like, okay, I guess, I guess that's not really happening. Right. Um, so yeah, I get it. Point taken. He's got a history of getting fans hopes up. I just feel like he wouldn't, you know, he's been hurt since early February. He hasn't given fans any reason to think he's doing anything. And now he has at the same time we're getting this report. There's at least something different here. Um, well, it's the Jordan-like confidence. The only thing I can think. <laughs> if someone really said that, I see, I see a lot of Sixers fans trolling this, saying like, oh, Jordan Farmar. But if, if someone really said he's walking around in practice like Jordan, that person is trolling him because Patty Mills is not going to say that. Patty Mills is going to say, <laughs> I love the progress he's made. He was seriously injured, and for the first time he's back out there, I love to see it. I'm taking him under my wing. I'm going to say he's walking around like MJ. You know, I would love to know who said it. I imagine that they don't, they probably just didn't realize how that was going to look in print. Like maybe you're just trying to kind of make a point that he seems like he's in a good headspace. And then you see the quote and it's like, (laughs) oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or the person's just trolling. And then there was the other one, like someone challenging him, do something with your life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, when I heard uh, that one, I was like, okay, if this is legit, the only one who could get away with saying something like that would be Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Cause it's like Kyrie could say that and it would not come across as an insult. It would be, you know, cause no. he's, such, he's such a cosmic and cerebral person that he might just be saying like, you know, you could achieve anything you want. Let's do something with your life. Whereas if Kevin Durant said it, it would be an obvious dig. Do something with your life. I think, I, I think that's a good point. But if, if Kyrie Irving told me that, I would take it as, as life coaching. Right. If, uh, if Kevin Durant said it to me, I, I would probably you just... know you were under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And, and no, I don't think anyone else would say it to Ben. I don't, you know, I'm not, it's not like uh Kessler Edwards is going to say do something with your life to the right who else who else has the uh the, the credibility exactly all right let's go back to Bruce Brown Bruce Brown said they're missing Rob this is like what you and I would have said they're missing Robert Williams that's huge that's huge for this team you know Robert Williams has won them games blocking three-point shots at the buzzer against like George Niang of the Sixers he's good man he's good and he gives their defense another level Without him, you're looking at Al Horford, who was the pick immediately following Kevin Durant back in the 2007 draft, third overall to Atlanta. He's old. Um, He's playing very well still. He's helping them, and so is Tice, but they're not the same as Williams. So Brown is right, but Kevin Durant didn't like that he said it. I think your your point was that the whole thing got blown out of whack a little bit. I think the – I could be wrong, but I think it was Jerome Weitzman who asked – Kevin, I could tell you were half kidding about the whole thing, but could you say what you didn't like about that? And I think that's what gave the whole thing a little bit more weight because Kevin Durant sounded like he was joking. I don't think anyone in Nets world, I wouldn't have wrote, written about it as simply the joke. But once they asked him again, what didn't you like about it? He did actually reveal, 
I couldn't exactly tell you what he, what his point was. He said, like, we don't need to be talking shit like that. Um, Kevin Durant talks plenty of trash. He loves when you talk trash to him. He was like mm-hmm. savage, savagely asking the, the jazz. He's telling Evan Fournier he's too teeny to guard him. So trash talk itself is fine. Maybe it's pregame microphone to the media chat he doesn't like. What do you think Kevin didn't appreciate about Brown's comments? You know, I don't know. It could be one of those things where it's just like you, you, you're you're an underdog in the series. I mean, let's face it. The Nets are underdogs. Celtics have been awesome. It's a really tough matchup. They're going to have to play incredibly well to win that series. And so maybe, you know, Durant's just coming in with a mentality of like, let's just keep our heads down and try to somehow not give these guys anything extra. And then the first thing you hear is Bruce Brown's comments and, you know, you kind of shoot them down and then you get asked the follow-up question about it. So you have to elaborate. And now next thing you know, it's, it's like a thing. That'd be, you know, that'd be my guess is that he just kind of felt like, all right, Celtics, you know, they they definitely have a more complete team than us. Um, We're going to need to be firing on all cylinders Let's kind of go in there and just sort of try to, you know, sneak up on them, try to steal one of these upcoming games. And then the first thing you hear is, well, they're missing one of their, you know, Bruce Brown kind of like already revealing what is presumably something the team is thinking and talking about. Well, it's not like, uh, I mean, it's it's like, the old joke, like, okay, well, now you know that the Jazz are going to run a Stockton Malone pick and roll. You know that they're going to come at you and test you either way. It's not really revealing anything tactical, saying we want to go at Horford and Tice, is it? Or is No, it? no, I, I think it's probably just revealing a thought process, a, a mindset of, like, these guys are vulnerable. They're, they're not whole, uh, you know where we we can we can exploit something that's there the 2017-2018 season playoffs the Celtics played the Bucks and Al Horford had an absolute turn back the clock monster game he blocked Giannis like four times he got himself like 112 million dollar contract from that game alone to Philly I am convinced that's the only Thanks, game of the season. Uh, was it Brett Brown or Brian Colangelo, whoever it was? <laughs> it was the uh, collaborative interim. Elton Brand, Alex Rucker, Ned Cullen, ownership, I believe. Good call. Um, but, yeah, so you don't want to give Horford any reason to turn back the clock. I, I wouldn't put it past him to have, like, two big games in Boston. Um, but you mentioned it. You think that the Celtics are sizable favorites in this series? I do, yeah. I think that they're just a more complete team. I think they have a lot less margin for error. And, you know, I think talent-wise, they're they're up there as well. I mean, the X factor, or I guess like the, the net saving grace is you have Kevin Durant, obviously, and you have Kyrie, and I mean – those guys are going to have to probably average somewhere between 65 and 75 points for them to be in these games. And then they're going to need a lot else to go well also. 
So, yeah, I do think they're sizable underdogs, even with Robert Williams being out, although there is talk that he could return at some point during the series. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Bruce Brown. Would you would you agree? Because it seems like he's starting to get more attention on the national broadcast now that he is probably their probably the third best player on the team or the third most important player, at least. Um, yeah, I think easily at this point. Right. I, th- I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a there was a point maybe before we started hearing more and more before he started missing games, the ankle where I might've said Seth Curry, there might've been a a short stretch where I thought of Andre Drummond even, but it's certainly Brown at this point. I mean, he's really come on. They are doing really well with the center by committee right now between Drummond and Claxton, not something I predicted. I mean, there was a point, remember the beginning of the year when Kyrie was out indefinitely Bruce Brown was not even in the rotation. He was told you're not in the rotation right now. I thought that was crazy. It was the second year in a row now where he was out of the rotation to begin the year and like absolutely vital by this time of the year. So kudos to him. Um, It's funny. The Nets coaching staff probably sees more in him than anyone else in the league. And they, even they keep sleeping on him. So um, he's earning himself some money, isn't he? Yeah, he's a really good player. He's the kind of guy I feel like no matter what team you root for, you probably look at your team and you're like, we could use a guy like that, you know? He's just kind of does a little bit of everything. As, you know, like it's cliche when they say, like, he's just a winning player, but he does have that feel to him. And, uh, yeah, he's I think he's probably at this point by far their, their third best and third most important player. And I say that as a compliment, but it's also the reason why I think the Celtics are prohibitive favorites. Cause I just wow. think when you're relying that much on, on a guy like that, who is very good, but it's just, you know, I think um, it, it's tough to know what you're going to get over seven games playing against a guy like Marcus smart, maybe. Um, so it'll be fun to watch. I'll be rooting for him. Uh, he's been amazing. I think he led the team in shots last night. I think he had 19 shots. Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely the third best player. You know, they're, they're facing the Cavs last night and obviously Karis LeVert is on the other side who was groomed by the Nets, a centerpiece of a James Harden trade. And I'm watching, I'm thinking, like, I would not trade Bruce Brown for Karis LeVert right now, straight up. So, Mm. you know, that says something. Yeah, I don't think I would either. Um, I mean, Brown is a a good defender. Yeah. And he does – he's so good at doing things that they've asked him to do that he's never even done before. Like, remember last year they had no one to – they couldn't like rely on DeAndre Jordan. So they asked Brown to be the role man on short rolls. And he did. And he did that for the first time in his career. He started doing it really well. He was playing like power forward, basically uh, in a two guards body. And this, this season they've asked him to space the floor and he's, he's hitting wide open corner threes now. Um, kind of like that uh, Bruce Bowen role, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. 
I'm yeah, not, good, I'm not a great good, shooter, yeah. but I can hit that wide open corner three, and then I do everything else for you at a high level. Right, and and you know he knows he's going to have wide open looks, and he's willing to take them. So that's in in some ways that's half of it. He's not reluctant, and he knows his spots. So, and and he adds a lot of uh, kind of just velocity and downhill athleticism to the team that they really need, especially defensively. I mean, I think I think you know on Twitter last night, I forget who it was, was basically saying like Bruce Brown is doing what the Nets are hoping to get from Ben Simmons. And uh, I think that's true in a lot of ways. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I would have said, well, look, I mean, Bruce Brown's not spacing the floor. You could put Ben Simmons in that Bruce Brown role, but I'm not taking Bruce Brown off the floor at, at all now. I mean, I'm looking at him as like a 38 minutes per game in the playoff rotation player right now. So if Ben's going to come back, he's got to get someone else's minutes and have to play with Brown because Brown's too good right now. I agree. I agree. He's He's been everything they could have hoped there's been a lot of guys that have come in and out of this rotation and uh you know you mentioned it he was out for a while it it feels like he's likely found a permanent he'll be a permanent fixture moving forward um let me ask you about the rotation for the playoffs here so they talked about going with a nine man against cleveland they actually went 10 um and so you have Patty Mills, Goran Dragic, Kessler Edwards got eight minutes. I guess it remains to be seen if he will stay in the rotation now that the playoffs are here. He went 0 for 4 from 3. If he's not knocking down shots, you really can't justify playing him at this point, uh, especially as Dragic had just returned from health and safety protocols with COVID and figure he'll only ramp up from here. Um, so where would Ben Simmons theoretically get any minutes? Is there anyone coming out of this lineup? You've got Durant, Brown, Drummond, Irving, Curry starting. Then you've got Claxton, Drogic, and Mills on the bench. I guess Ben could be your ninth man there. You know, I I feel like if he's if he's healthy and he looks good, he's such a such a good matchup for Boston because they have these two wings who are great scorers and just really hard to stop. So, I mean, again, I don't think we're going to see him, but the idea of him in this series, I mean, he would be, he would be huge. He would change the entire complexion of the series. If you were getting Ben Simmons from, so you don't think he's, you don't think he's going to play in round one at all. If I had to, if I had to wager, is he going to play? Yes or no? Even money? I would say no. I don't think we're going to see him. Okay. I, I, you know, I just it to me, it just feels um, like like we said, like we'd have to get that one report that's like he's playing full, he looks good, he's pain free. Like we haven't heard any of that. You know, all we're hearing is like he's walking around like Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so until I until we hear like playing full court looks good, no pain, ramping up, then it's like okay, like maybe we're gonna get to see him in limited action, but I don't know. Uh, what about okay. you? Well, I just I mean, Shams has been so on the money with so much that he's reported this saga. I know he's got the affiliations with clutch sports. 
that when he says maybe game three or four, I'm not thinking definitely game three or four, but I, you know, could he be in this series by game seven? It's hard for me to say definitely not uh, because Shams doesn't make a habit about being wrong like that. So I don't know. Um, I guess I would put it at like 41%, which is about the same odds as the Nets to win the series per uh, some of these books I'm looking at. Wow. Now, so, so do you lean more towards that figure? I mentioned I, I thought Boston was a fairly sizable favorite. Do you disagree? Yeah, I, I disagree in degree. I, I don't think that the Nets are favored, but I, I read that the Sixers-Raptors series is by far the closest series in terms of odds, and I think this one should be too. Um, okay. I know that the Celtics were so good wire-to-wire, but I, I guess I just feel that Robert Williams was a big part of that. And they're much, on much more even footing right now. I think the Nets have the better duo and they might have the best player in the series. And usually that's good enough right there. So if I told you, uh, yeah, if I told you there was going to be one upset in the East, what do you think? What do you think the most likely upset is in the East? I'll put it that way. The Raptors are definitely the most likely upset. Um, if you're ballparking that series, I mean, it wouldn't be outlandish to, to say like the, the first game is a pick at this point, you know, maybe the Sixers by two so, and a half. So you feel like that series is almost 50, 50, whereas the Nets are, are a little slightly underdogs, slightly underdogs. Yeah. Yeah. You watch the Nets just, just have to rely so much on their stars, you know, it, it just feels like the cumulative weight of all the obstacles they face this entire season are with them now as baggage. Yeah, I, I agree. It feels like a lot. Durant has played so many minutes here down the stretch, and he's probably going to have to play even more in this series just for them to be in these games. So the margin for error is very slim. But they do have the, the ability. They do have the ability. I mean, we saw Kyrie Irving last night. At one point, I think he was 12 for 12. Has to be the best offensive game he's played this season. Just I mean, Ram- unbelievable. Kyrie was literally trending on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was amazing. I, you know, I, I had no idea that he was uh, fasting, going into the game only in the post game interview when he was talking about it uh did i realize did i realize what an incredible feat that is um because i think it's no water or food which is like not just that he's up at 5 35 i suppose with sunrise and then yeah and then he's fasting no water and no food um and and then he's playing amazing basketball he hit his first like nine shots in it's, the biggest, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. I mean, he was he was so good. Um, so that's got to give that's got to give the Nets confidence that you know maybe his um, you know his his routines and rituals over these next few weeks with Ramadan won't impact him negatively. I mean, we don't know. That was just one game, but uh, I don't know. He looked amazing. Um, Maybe 
maybe he's on to something. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll help him. I, I don't know. It was just incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, he has said it, it simplifies his life and it gives him a connection and appreciation. If you were reading this, like, I know you've read a lot of books on business and psychology and self-help. You, you see some of those principles, like staying in the moment, realizing this isn't about you and you're not defined by what happens in your workday performance. Uh, and I think he, you know, he sort of touts those principles. Now I'm, I'm a cynical person, you know that. And so when I hear Kyrie talk about that, I, I think, well, maybe he's just one in a billion and, you know, someone like, uh, Ennis Cantor who's fasting, maybe that would not necessarily help him. And it is much more of a struggle. Kyrie's just, he hit the biggest shot in NBA history in the finals he's he's on another level this isn't helping him it's it's just difficult for him but he's just he's so just, rare and unique he's kind of transcending the the difficulty almost i i, yeah, I think that's very possible yeah i mean we'll we'll probably see i i don't know do you know what was yesterday the first day of ramadan or has he been fasting for I, i'm i'm not sure i don't think it was the first day i think we've already seen some of the images of him you know, kneeling, he was sneaking a fruit cup uh, on the bench at the end of the regular season. So I'm not sure the dates, um, but yeah, I mean, let me, yeah, it was, it, and, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I, I wonder as the days go by, April there, 1st, it, April 1st. So it's, it's okay. From, it's so until it's, May 1st. Okay. So it's well underway. Yeah. He's about halfway it. over. Yep. Um, okay. Cause I thought maybe could, could it be something that builds up where, you know, the, the energy deficit kind of builds as you go, but if, it sounds like that's not necessarily the case. He's already two weeks into it. I, I would but, say you're more likely to acclimate to it. And maybe it's harder at first. I mean, I, I only learned that he was Muslim a year ago. Maybe he converted a year. So this might be his second one ever. I don't, I don't know that. Um, but I would think that you have to get used to it and it takes some practice and there hasn't been a ton of practice with something like this for him. That's right. That's right. Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Connor got himself in trouble. He was on a podcast and he said, fasting's easy. I've done intermittent fasting and people were in his mentions like, yeah, but come on, no water. And he was like, all right, water, water. Um, and then, so he, he apologized, I believe like, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to get better. Yeah, I think, you know, he probably has some experiencing doing some variation of fasting and felt the need to kind of share his own experience and it went wrong. <laughs> he was so. probably half kidding. I don't think he was saying like, <laughs> I could play my best NBA caliber basketball. I'm guessing he was right. saying, oh, I've done it. It wasn't that hard. Um, half in jest, half bragging. But he, he got himself in some trouble for it because people like, you don't understand, like, the commitment that this takes and to do what he's doing at that high level. So good, good for yeah. him for, uh, for owning it after, after getting scolded. And uh, Dave, if I say anything they like that moving forward, I hope that you'll have the foresight to edit it out of the podcast where Bill Simmons clearly did not. Bill Simmons must have known because he was like, we're going to take that out. And then they didn't. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. There you go. He thought of it, but didn't pull the trigger. 
yeah maybe they maybe we need uh we need like someone to monitor us <laughs> I, i'm imp- i'm always impressed if you get out there and say my bad so if you, yeah if you i mean us, I, I i don't think he meant anything uh you know i don't think it was an anti anything kind of statement i think it was more just that hey i've done intermittent fasting let me tell you about it <laughs> <You know? laughs> the over the over exuberant dieter <laughs> yeah he's yeah now tried exactly. like south beach atkins right right he's like let me tell you how easy this was for me <laughs> so um do you have, all right, so do you have an X factor? Like, here's the guy who can, who will step up. If this guy steps up to the degree we think he can, the Nets win this series. That's tough. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if Seth Curry's ankle responds because, okay, let's just say you're getting, um, no, we'll, we'll just we'll just sort of lean towards the higher end of things and say you're getting 30 from 30, 30 to 35 from Durant, 25 to 30 from Kyrie. All right, great. Like that's, you know, 70 points, but you might need to score 125 to win these games. So that probably means you need another 20 to 25 point score. We talked about Bruce Brown. I'm almost penciling him in, like, as a guy who has to play well. But then, who, who else? Who's going to be the other guy that gives you a lift? Because I think that's why the, I think that's why the Celtics are favored because it's hard to pick that guy. Seth Curry, you know, Steve Nash said after the game, he's like, "We have not found a way to consistently get him going. We, we haven't done right by him, basically." Um, took took the heat almost as a coaching staff for not putting him in the best spots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nash seems like, I mean, I also heard him say that Durant should win the MVP. So it's clear to see that he's just kind of, as he should be, you know, there's certain coaches throughout all sports that are just like, no matter what happens, I'm taking the heat for anything that goes wrong. Anyone that plays bad, it's my fault. Anyone that's good, I am going over the top on my praise and appreciation for them. So good, good for Steve. I, I, I like approach. Yeah, I like Steve's approach. As a two-time NBA MVP, there's only been a couple of those. He'd have every right to be less of a cheerleader than he's been, or condescending to the media like Doc Rivers has recently been. He's not at all. I mean, he always praises his guys. He, he, you know, he has their back. He's been outspoken on things like the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. I know he was uh, outspoken about the tragedy and the, the tragic shooting in Brooklyn, and they've apprehended the shooter today as we record this. Um, he's not shy to talk about things that are on the players' minds, and he's not shy to praise them and bolster them. He's not shy to lie for them. And I, I like, I like Steve. Kevin Durant gave him a really resounding endorsement the other day he was like he's been dealt a wild hand man and i think he's handled it all pretty pretty much perfectly so i'm giving uh i'm giving coach nash a good grade for this season totally agree i think he saves any negativity and frustration for the referees they definitely don't (laughs) escape his wrath during the games but as far as the media you're right he's very patient he's thoughtful um it's hard it's hard not to like him 
you know, he, he clearly has a, a overriding philosophy and approach that he's taken with the team. So um, uh, it's, it's good to see. It, it was good to hear KD uh, give him, give him that glowing endorsement. Um, I'm going to give you a bold prediction here. <gasps> I, I think that let me sit down. Let me sit down. Are you standing okay. the whole time? Yeah, I'm standing. I'm, I'm standing up. All right, you sit sitting for this. Yeah, I'm sitting. The Nets are going to win game one. Wow. And I think they're going to win the series. Wow. Wow. That is, I, I respect it. I respect it. Taking a stand. Bold pick. Um, now uh, I, I have do- to ask, uh, will there be any leprechaun slander by Kyrie Kyrie Irving? Will, will there be a repeat? Will there be some sort of shade thrown at Lucky the Leprechaun, the logo of the Boston Celtics at center court? Because that's what I want to see. No, I'm going to say not during Ramadan. He's going to be a little more respectful. He's not going to, he's not going to like, you know, hurl epithets in any idols. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think he, you know, um, Someone asked me, like, what is Kyrie doing at the free throw line with this deep breath? Because he's taken like 13 seconds for his free throws lately, um, staring at the rim in this way that makes you think he's he's on peyotes out in the desert. <laughs> and he's, yeah, we we were watching the game last night, and he, after the game, he says to the guy in he was like, he was just just had such nice, thoughtful, humble things to say. And my girlfriend was like how can anyone hate this guy? And I was like, look, we're a pro Kyrie household. We always will be, but you know, we'll see what happens when, when he sees this leprechaun, something, you know, something can be incited in him and he can flip on a dime. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can all flip on a dime and you know that he, that the public feels very, very split on this. Even Nets fans were angry with him this year. I've, I've seen that basically subside. Now it feels like Nets fans are pretty much behind him. They were chanting his name uh, at, the, at the Clays for the last couple games, I believe, at different times. So, they, you know, they, they're craving, they're desperate for a championship, and they, uh, they don't care. I, I do have a mailbag before we get out of here. Do you want to get to the mailbag? Yeah, please. All right, I've got... Um, I got Mark from Greenpoint. Mark from Greenpoint wants to know how could James Harden in self-respect want to leave KD and Kyrie? <laughs> wow. So, so it's a question we've uh, attempted to answer in yes. many previous episodes. I, I don't know if we ever really have though. All right. Well, do you want to take this one? And, and are you, and Mark wants to know, are you stunned that he did? <laughs> <laughs> uh i i was surprised um so okay if we're if we're to look at the situation in its entirety he gets traded there last year he's deciding between philly and brooklyn there's reports that those are the two teams he wants to go to it, it, we, we've now heard credible reporting that he preferred philly all along so 
Yeah, we have. And, and I, I tend to believe those reports. I believe that because um, Jake Fisher said it. So I'm, I'm good with it. You know, there was uh, there was a story. Uh, I think it came out this week, actually, that basically said Durant was miffed at how bad Harden looked when he came back for this season. And I do think that that's probably the crux of it is that it was just one of those situations where Harden comes in, they're amazing. There's kind of a honeymoon period, but when he gets hurt, everything flipped. And it was like, from the moment he got hurt, nothing really good happened for a long, long, long time. And I just think that when you're in a situation and there's highs and lows, but then there's just lows for a period of time where you lose the series, you get hurt, you're not quite as good as you used to be. There's the pandemic, there's the vaccine stuff with Kyrie, you're griping with Kevin Durant. And then at some point, you're like, well, I'm going to be a free agent at the end of this year. I already kind of preferred to go to that other place. I might as well just get it out of the way now. That's sort of my take on it. What do you think? Yeah, I think it it makes sense from Harden's POV. He always wanted to be with he wanted to be with the Sixers because of Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey always made him feel a certain way. All his best years were with that guy. If he has some input, he could go to his GM and he can get what he wants. Like maybe a day, the travel day is different. Maybe the practice schedule is different. Maybe the way he's playing is different. Maybe the players around him are different. He has some say that he might not have enjoyed being fiddle number three because of KD's relationship with Kyrie in Brooklyn. Um, he gets there. He never gets this hamstring nipped in the bud and he comes back and he plays on it. He's clearly not quite right. And then he gets really hurt grade two hamstring. And he plays on that three games trying to get there because, you know, they were one toe on the line away. He has to rehab that all summer long. He comes back, you know, of course he's admittedly not in like the shape he wanted to be in. Cause he didn't get to play any pickup all summer. And then Durant, has a, feels a certain way that he's not doing pulling his weight at the same time where Durant doesn't seem to have a massive problem with Kyrie not even being there at all. And I think that was what precipitated that cold war. And there was some serious tension. And then Kyrie comes back part-time, which James Harden did not agree with. And it's like, if I stay, I'm going to get $270 million to do what I'm doing now that I don't like doing at all with people. I don't love playing with right now for the next five years, or if I got traded, I could get the exact same amount of money and get a situation where if I win, my legacy is far superior than if I won here. And I would have a lot more fun doing it. I mean, maybe Joel and me is just a really fun guy to be around. I don't know. Yeah. I think all those things are true, but uh, as, as we spoke about earlier, that series is going to be fascinating. They have a lot of guys that are kind of the, prototypical bad matchup for him or at least now it, it used to not matter what you talking did about to and defend. yeah 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 i mean between um siakam and og ananobi and um precious gary gary trent and scotty barnes like that's it'll be interesting to see because like you said it's assumed he's going to get this huge contract after this season I think that this series could go a long way into determining how he, how they feel about that. So, 
we'll be watching that from afar in Nets Nation. And I got one more. I got one from Alex from Williamsburg who wants to know, is this version of KD better than 2018-2019? So 2018-2019, let's just injuries aside, like the guy he was before his calf strain. Okay, so now this is uh, his second year with Golden State is essentially what we're talking about. This is is his third. He's already won two championships if we're talking 2018-2019. I think it's too easy of a question if it had been 17-18 that Durant's better and okay okay if you were to well this this durant has scores 50 i'd say yeah but he's not playing with peak clay and peak steph he doesn't have to share as much he's being asked to far more now in brooklyn that's why he's getting these point totals um but what about 2018 2019 kd versus this one as a general rule i think that it's hard to be better in your mid thirties post Achilles rupture than it is your late twenties pre Achilles rupture. With that said, I, it, it feels crazy to say that Katie's not at the top of his game because even then, well, I mean, LeBron, LeBron was doing his thing back then. So we thought he was the best, but like Katie's probably the best player in the game now. So he wasn't then. And he is now, and I still don't think he's better today than he was then. If Crazy you – you still don't what? – what was the last part? I, I, I'm hesitant to say that, he, that he's better now. Right. So you're basically saying he has been the best player in the league for more years than anyone has been admitting. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I'm just saying I think that his stature in the league is higher now but I don't necessarily think he's better than he was four years ago. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, he's talked a lot this year that, he, and Steve Nash backed him up on this. There's been more double teams. There's more, more aggressive doubling of him now. Now, if he was at his peak in Golden State, you couldn't. You couldn't afford to do that. So that could be part of it. Uh, if he that's was true. playing with Harden and Kyrie, you couldn't get away with it. But with just Kyrie, maybe you can do plenty of it in Obviously, he played with just a limited version of Harden for much of this season as well. So that makes some sense. And so maybe he would, maybe if he were playing with healthy Kyrie and healthy Harden and you couldn't double him, he would just be going completely nuts. If you were to draft a team with, you don't have a roster and you're looking at all of these MVPs, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, for just the upcoming playoffs. Where would KD rank on your top uh, picks here? Would you take him first, second, third, fourth, fifth? So this is for basically for the entire tournament. Is that you, the idea? You, you don't have a roster yet, but you have the number one pick in the draft. Um, I'm taking him. Anyone in the brackets? Certainly top three. My top three are, are Giannis and B and Durant in some order. And... Um, Probably Durant and Embiid are my top two, and I lean right now. I'd probably would say Durant number one just because of his track record. All right, so you're on the clock. You're choosing between Joel Embiid and Durant for the rest of the playoffs. Build your team around yeah. this, this man. Um, and what makes you take KD over both Embiid and Giannis? 
I just think after watching Durant in the playoffs last year, even though it was only uh, two rounds, I watched him almost beat the Bucs, who went on to win it basically by himself. Yeah. So how how can I how can I put anyone above that? Um, you know. So I just think that uh, when you're a concentrated time frame, couple couple months or whatever it is, having watched that less than a year ago, I think I can't put anyone ahead of Durant. I'll ask you this to build on your own question. If you took Durant from 2016, let's say the final year in OKC, basically the series that kind of altered the course of NBA history was that Golden State series where Oklahoma City's up 3-1. If I put uh, that guy, if I put this year's Kevin Durant, 2022, on that 2016 Oklahoma City team, instead of who he was then, do they win the title that year? Um, the 20, so the Cavs beat the Golden State Warriors. But in with, other words, do, with do the they, Thunder, with this Durant, with the Thunder, LeBron, with, well, first would they have beaten Golden State? That, you know, that series was so close. And I think Durant armed with the brain that he has now. Yes, I think he would have been better as a playmaker. I think he would have seen different defenses and known the, the right read to make. I think he would have been more assertive in terms of, uh, you know, telling Scotty Brooks or Billy Donovan what to do, um, telling Russell Westbrook where to be, and then shooting more threes, perhaps. You know, because at the time we were at the sort of beginning of like understanding how many three pointers teams should be taken. Um, still more mid range shots taken then. I think, yeah, I think this this Durant would get them that win. And then versus Cleveland, that's really tough, man. That's a tough one. Kyrie, LeBron. I don't think Kevin Love was like dominant in that that series. But when we look back in history and see that version of Russ, who else was on that team? Was that Cantor Adams? Cantor Adams, Andre Roberson. Ibaka's gone at this point, right? No, no, no. That was after for Oladipo. Um, right. Yeah, so they were really big. They didn't fit that well at this point. They weren't really lengthy on the wings. I think they had Roberson. Kind of a weird team. Um I think I might take the Cavs still. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, you know, I think that. Tell me I'm wrong. I think whoever won that Warriors Thunder series is, was going to win it. Uh, the Draymond Green. Well, the, I, I, I know they did, but I think that series ends in five. Draymond Green doesn't uh, get suspended. And I think that. That's it. We're, we're getting we're, we're getting Kyrie on the pod. He's going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> um, I just think that the Thunder would have been a, a really tough matchup for Cleveland. Uh, I could be wrong, but um, I think if they broke through there and they beat the 73 win Dragon, that they uh, they take it all the way. I like it. Okay, I like it.
So you're right, taking Dave, you're well, taking you're taking Celtics, and I'm going to take Nets here. Yeah, I like I like your pick though. I like the confidence. You're you know, walking it, around like Jordan to close out the pod. I feel I, I, I feel. That. Let me tell you why I feel a little bit better about it after making it because I heard your argument that if if you would take Durant first because of what he did last year, and he was so close with only getting to play two and a half games with Kyrie. And now he's got Kyrie and then their supporting cast is better now too. Instead of Blake Griffin, we're looking at Drummond. We've got Seth Curry out there. There's a, what did we say? There's a 30% chance we see Ben Simmons at one point. We've got Bruce Brown, who's a better version of himself. So if you've got the best player and now you've got Kyrie for a full series, maybe, uh, maybe you have something better than the Celtics have. I think that's a fair point. And, um, we're just going to see, you know, do these guys have an even higher gear that they're going to go to uh, that will reach similar similar proportions that we saw in that Buck series where Durant was just on a completely different level? Yeah, I, I don't think the, the rest of the East wishes these two teams could just spontaneously combust because you don't want to see the winner of either one. I mean, the Celtics could be getting healthier with Williams, the Nets with Simmons, the longer they play, the better they could get. So scary stuff, scary hours. Yeah. And, you know, Boston, they had a choice. They could have, uh, they could have taken the four seed, played Toronto. Uh, obviously, seems like there's some vaccination issues there, but they decided to put themselves in position to play the Nets. So, you know, we'll see. All right. Uh, do you want to do the Brooklyn chant to get us out of here? Brooklyn. 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 All right, Greg. Thanks. All right. Talk soon.